What's going on, folks, today? We have a few stories. First of all, our dear friend Hillary Clinton says a ceasefire is not possible in Gaza. John Fetterman gets confronted by one of his voters over the ceasefire and also in the streets. Apparently, the black Hebrew Israelites are fighting with the Palestinian protesters. And on today's show, we're going to focus on why you can't just play opposite day, because this is a cultural issue that kind of just throws everything for a loop and throws a wrench into the system. We're going to talk about it. I'm going to go. I'm going to play some clips as well. God bless you. Dream Rare Podcast starts now. It's the Dream Rare Podcast. Welcome to the show. The way to get the news at the desk or on the road. Let's go. God is great and success in our control. The world is crazy, but we get better from obstacles. Yeah. What's going on, everybody? We got Marla, Journey, Jumper, Giovanna, a lot of J's out here, but uh, God bless you, April, uh, Giovanni, Element. So appreciate y'all today. I want to talk about why you can't just play opposite day with certain activist groups. I see a lot of people saying, well, you're on the side of the BLM protesters because they support Palestine. At the same time, you have the sports leagues on the side of Israel. Hillary Clinton saying the same things as the Speaker of the House of the Republican Party. And all I'm going to say today is how this is a cultural issue that kind of blends everything together in a way that actually isn't just like you can't just be like, well, if they say that, I'm going to say this. Here's the first clip, and I have a few more real quick, but this is Hillary Clinton saying pretty much the same thing as the Republicans here, which is, uh, you know, no ceasefire in Gaza, they won't allow it, or it's not a good idea at the moment. People who are calling for a ceasefire now do not understand Hamas. That is not possible. It would be such a gift to Hamas because they would spend whatever time there was a ceasefire in effect rebuilding their uh, armaments, you know, creating stronger positions to be able to fend off uh, an eventual um, assault. by. So that's her saying, you know, don't do a ceasefire. I would say a lot of left-wing activists want a ceasefire. Some right-wing activists critical of Israel and Zionism are saying to do a ceasefire. Most of the world is calling for a ceasefire. But then you have the sports CEOs, you have like the NBA, the NFL, they're on the side of Israel, not Palestine. Hillary is on the opposite side of the BLM protesters. And I want to play another clip real quick. But the point of what I'm saying is I see certain people like Matt Walsh where they're saying, you know, things like if you're on the side of the BLM protesters, you really need to think twice. And it's like, listen, I understand what's going on. I understand why people would think that. But this has been a cultural shift where you have people you wouldn't think were on certain sides on certain sides. And it would be disingenuous for me to say, well, you're on the side of Hillary Clinton, Matt Walsh, you know, like it's, it's a cheap kind of like political talking point to be like, oh, well, you must be wrong because they're, well, Hillary's on this side of the argument and the BLM protesters are on the other side of the argument. So it's like either you're Hillary Clinton or BLM, pick one. And you're like, I'm, I'm neither. So what, (laughs) you know, of course you're neither. So that's why we can't just play opposite day with this topic, I think you have to actually look at it and make a decision, not based off just following generic Republican accounts that show you crazy activists. Speaking of, the black Hebrew Israelites are apparently fighting Palestinian protesters. That's just ripe for jokes. I'm going to talk about that later. But first, I want to play this clip of Hillary Clinton. It's probably one of the most honest clips that I've ever seen of her. She explains on Fox News years ago how the American government were funding rebel groups or the Mujahideen extremists 
to fight their wars. And after the U.S. government funded the extremists, the extremists ended up fighting us. And the groups that the media tells you that they're fighting were actually groups that America themselves funded. This is a true story. I mean, this I'm not a Hillary fan, but uh, she's not lying here. This is the truth. To be, to be fair, we had helped to create the problem we're now fighting. How? Because when the Soviet Union invaded Afghanistan, we had this brilliant idea that we were going to come to Pakistan and create a force of Mujahideen, equip them with Stinger missiles and everything else to go after the Soviets inside Afghanistan. And we were successful. The Soviets left Afghanistan. And then we said, great, goodbye, leaving these trained people who were fanatical in Afghanistan and Pakistan, leaving them well armed, creating a mess, frankly, that uh, at the time we didn't really recognize. We were just so happy to see the Soviet Union fall. And we thought, OK, fine, we're, we're OK now. Everything's going to be so much better. Now you look back, the people we're fighting today, we were supporting in the fight against the Soviets. Well, if there were some. So that's Hillary Clinton admitting in the Middle East, you know, they often talk about extremist groups and rebel groups and terrorists. And, uh, you know, I think she called them fanatical. They're fanatical people, right? The, the radicals. Uh, she admitted that America had funded the extremist radicals to fight against the Soviet Union. And as soon as America was done funding them, then they started becoming a problem and America started fighting them. Many such cases in the Middle East, you could find a video of Ron Paul talking about the creation of Hamas and how, you know, he believes that Israel had helped to get into power in some sort of idea. Maybe that would be a better government than what they had. Uh, I think America was involved. I, I saw an article in 2023 that the CIA has officially admitted to being behind the Iran coups of the 1950s. Like that's mainstream news now. Everybody kind of knew it, but I think they just officially admitted it like in the press or something. I mean, you Google it, you'll find it. Long story short, you know, that's part of the equation. It's just interesting. Um, I thought it was pretty relevant. Here's a clip. I took out the sound because there was like Rolling Stones playing in the background and I'm not trying to get this video copyright stricken, although it probably already will. But this is uh, some guy named Dan Kovalik. He confronted John Fetterman at a bar or something because John Kovalik wants there to be a ceasefire in Gaza. I think he's more left wing. He said he voted for John Fetterman. But John Fetterman is against the ceasefire. He agrees with Hillary Clinton, the sports CEOs, and a lot of the Republican right-wingers, the neocons and Zionists, whatever you want to call them, uh, war hawks or just pro-Israel. I don't know. But long story short, the reason I'm showing everybody all this stuff is because a few reasons. One, you can't do what a lot of right-wingers are doing and just say, well, look at you. you. You agree with BLM. That would be like me saying, look at you, you agree with John Fetterman. Look at you, you agree with Hillary Clinton. Look at you, you agree with the black Hebrew Israelites. or who? It's like they're in the streets fighting the Palestinian protesters. I have a lot of funny jokes in my head. I'm trying to think which one won't get me canceled. Um, you know, I think if the black Hebrew Israelites beat up enough Palestinian protesters, maybe they were hoping that the media said that they were also the real Jews. You know, that was a big debate a couple months ago. They're taking down like Amazon documentaries and stuff that, you have black Hebrew Israelites saying, I'm the real Jew. And then, you know, the Jewish Americans are like, no, you're not. Shut up. But maybe that maybe they could strike a deal. Maybe it's like if you take out enough Palestinian protesters, you know, we'll let you have a piece of land or something. It's just a joke. Sorry. I don't know. Is that funny or am I? I'm, I'm already nervous. There's going to be like 25 articles written about me in the morning. So get 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 ready for it. Just kidding. But uh, actually, maybe not just kidding. Who knows? You never know out here. Long story short. 
this has been like a cultural revolution of a sense where like left and right, red and blue are not completely aligned. You have certain people that you wouldn't think were on certain sides or on certain sides. You have Republicans now saying that Palestine's not gay enough, like, oh, Palestine, you know, you're, you know, the gays for Palestine doesn't make sense. They don't even like you. Israel's gayer. And it's like, okay, you know, and then you have left wingers siding with against the establishment. I would say the establishment Democrats are pro Israel, funding Israel, giving Israel weapons, allowing Israel to pretty much do what they want. But the left wing voters completely disagree. You have the John Fettermans who are progressive quote unquote are, is going with the neocons in both parties yet his voters are upset um there's very few people that are saying anything i would say aoc ilhan omar rashida talib and uh maybe thomas massey on the right wing saying i'm against foreign aid you have matt gates making the argument for why we should fund israel with foreign aid but why we shouldn't fund ukraine with foreign aid you have Rob John, what's his name? Michael Johnson or Rob Johnson? I already forget. Johnson Jr., Johnson and Johnson, whatever his name is, the Speaker of the House. You know, the first thing he said was, We need to fund that country. Um, also, he has that video where he says that he adopted a he adopted a black son, and then he said his white son is more privileged. And I'm thinking to myself, did this guy like what he adopted a black son and now he tells his white son that he's privileged like that guy seems like pretty piece of trash like hey now i'm going to tell my white son that you're privileged like yeah i'm sure that son's having a blast with you daddy uh but in general you know it's it's a it's a cultural phenomenon where all sorts of things are just kind of showing their true colors and i would say there's a lot of negatives to take away i'm not trying to be a pessimist but obviously people dying is sad Innocent civilians being killed in both uh, countries is sad. Um, the the silver lining of all this, although it's hard to find one because war is brutal, and uh, you know you would hope that both parties can come to some sort of conclusion because we don't want people to die and we don't want American troops on the ground. But the one silver lining I can take is people are realizing that the left and right paradigm is totally fake. Uh, a lot of their heroes in the Republican Party are totally fake. Matt Gates, you know, he replaced Kevin McCarthy with someone who's probably worse than Kevin McCarthy or exactly the same as Kevin McCarthy. Sure. I'm not saying he's a bad person for trying to do it. He made some good points. But at the end of the day, Matt Gates knows if he doesn't make the argument for why we need to give foreign aid to Israel, he can't be the quote unquote rebel trademark of the Republican Party. Matt Gates knows who butters his bread. He can be a wild card. But as long as he says, I don't support aid in, in Ukraine because that's corrupt. I support aid in Israel, though, because I have to or else I can't really be this guy. You know, I'll have the whole my whole team turn against me. OK, sure. I mean, there's a there's an argument for that. You like that country better. You think it's more important, better ally. You know, there's reports coming out now in Ukraine. I saw this being reported that, you know, some of the money was being stolen. Wow. Who would have thought before the Ukraine war? You know, there were mainstream publications, including like Pentagon Papers leaks and stuff that were pointing to Ukraine as one of the most corrupt countries in the world. As somebody who lives in America, I'm not trying to point fingers to corrupt countries because I think America, although we're a beautiful country, we are very corrupt also. So I'm not trying to blame innocent Ukrainians for what their government does. But, you know, pretty much it was pretty known by mainstream publications mainstream reports that Ukraine was one of the top most corrupt countries in the world. Now we're funneling hundreds of billions of dollars to them. And uh, there's an old Ron Paul quote that he says, foreign aid 
is poor people in rich countries giving money to rich people in poor countries. You know, it's a simplification of what it is, but, but you get it. It's working class people in America giving hundreds of billions of dollars to another country that's not a rich country, but the rich people in that not rich country get the money. Who gets the $200 billion? Are you telling me that nobody's shaving off the top? If there's a $200 billion industry, somebody's shaving off the top. How are we even accountable? Who's getting what? Who, where, you know, where's the money going? I don't, I think Rand Paul or somebody, maybe Thomas Massey, they called for an audit and uh, everyone got mad. It's like he wants to know where the money's going, but I don't think anyone really cares. I'm sure somebody's paying attention, but long story short, you know, it's pretty well known in, in, in American politics that the uniparty gives out foreign aid whenever they want to all sorts of countries but i would say realistically whether you agree or disagree with why this is the number one country who gets the most aid over the last 80 years is israel and unlike other countries you know there's a special word to call you if you don't support it like if you're thomas massey and you say hey god bless the people of israel but i think that america should focus on itself and not give out foreign aid they call you anti-semitic if you suggest that DeSantis and Trump and Johnson and all these, you know, people, they get money from organizations. You can't say what organizations, even though they speak on stages and it says right behind them exactly the name of the organization and who it is. You can't say it, though. If you suggest that they're getting paid by donors, they'll call you anti-Semitic, even though they have on the wall. It says like who they're speaking for and they're getting paid millions of dollars to be there. But you're not allowed to talk about that lobbying money because it's hate speech. So, you know, long story short, this topic is just really in a weird way. It's not good what's happening. I hate to see what's happening around the world in Dagestan. I don't know if you saw. I only know Dagestan because a lot of fighters are from Dagestan. Islam Makachev, Khabib, Nurmagomedov, some of the best UFC fighters in recent history are Russian. Dagestan, apparently I know where Dagestan is, but Dan Crenshaw's never heard of it. To be fair, I wouldn't have heard of it if I wasn't a fan of UFC. Um, you know, they're, they're getting crazy over there. There was a, um, a plane from Tel Aviv that flew in and they were like searching for the plane. Like, you know, the tensions are rising all over the world. You have black Hebrew Israelites fighting in the streets with Palestinian protesters. You have, you know, massive protests all over the world. Uh, it, tensions are absolutely rising. And I would say that, you know, travel wise, you know, you could always travel and enjoy yourself. There's a lot of places in the world, but this these peace deals that were being worked on although you know during trump and jared kushner and such they were working on easing tensions between israel and the and the arab world i would say tensions are at a recent i'm not gonna say an all-time high but a recent high where it sucks everybody feels it everybody feels a little bit uncomfortable um you know that the 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 the, the disdain is real in a lot of parts of the world and there's a lot i would say the zionist press and the zionist politicians have lost the narrative when it comes to most of the world like the pope disagrees with them the un disagrees with them most of the left wing disagrees with them half or more than half of the right wing disagrees with them every right wing pro-israel person i follow um it seems like their audience disagrees with them and they usually don't or they have they have a counter perspective so the narrative has been lost but it's for multiple reasons and i'm not i'm not here to tell you what to think if you're pro-israel cool if you're pro-palestine knock yourself out i'm just trying to analyze it right now for the sake of this video because i find it interesting and a lot of right wingers that are trying to analyze it and they're just like oh blm is the left and the left is palestine and that's all it is 
if that were true, why is Hillary Clinton on the other side? Why, why is the NBA and the NFL owners that are usually on the side of BLM, why are they against BLM and trying to shut down their protests now? This really shows you that a lot of what you thought was is not real. And that's really the only silver lining because I hate to see the tension. I don't like to see Arabs and Jewish people fighting or Christians and Arabs or, you know, bringing back the George Bush era. It sucks. I don't, I don't like it at all because at the end of the day, I believe that this is a war that benefits a small percentage of people. And uh, I don't think it benefits Israel or Palestine. I don't think it benefits Jews or Arabs. I don't think it benefits Christians or Americans. So I don't, you know, I think that this, these wars are, are not beneficial to anyone. And I think that a lot of times people tell you, if you don't do this, then you're hurting these people. And those are the people that are hurting those people the most because they're not calculated in their approach of what they're doing and how they're doing it. So I do think that this is really like a wake up call for everyone. And now nothing makes sense anymore. Like the people that you thought were aligned with BLM are not aligned with BLM. The people that you thought didn't agree with foreign aid agree with foreign aid. People that you thought were pro-protest are actually anti-protest and they're willing to exaggerate the same as the left is to get their point across. You know, it's like it's it's a real veil being lifted moment on everyone. And, you know, I think it was overdue because there are certain things in this world that people don't want to pay attention to because they're so caught up in the false paradigms of like, you know, left wing versus right wing, Democrat versus Republican, Matt Gates versus, you know, Kevin McCarthy. I'd rather watch WWE Trump versus DeSantis. There's another one. Hey, let's all fight on the right over these two guys that really aren't actually even that much different. Trump's just funny and DeSantis is, you know, not as funny. But long story short, you know. There's certain topics that just ne people never want to talk about because it's like too deep or the stakes are too high. And those are all being just kind of shown in front of people. And now nothing's really adding up. Like I thought Dave Rubin believed in the First Amendment. I thought this person did that. I thought we were against foreign aid, but now we're for foreign aid or we're not. You know what the what the hell? And it, it's it's a it's an ugly but necessary thing that people need to pay attention to because. I would say, and I'm not saying this to be a hater, but when I listen to most left-wing news stations, they make no sense. And it's just like a trap for people that hate Trump and Republicans to um, watch and get sucked into some fake drama. Like if you watch Whoopi Goldberg, I'd rather watch Paint Dry. If you listen to, you know, what's, her, what's the other one? Joy Behar, I'd rather listen to, I'd rather watch Teletubbies on loop and, and, and smoke marijuana well, you know, watching like Tom and Jerry on repeat until I, I couldn't think straight. Um, I don't know. I'm just thinking of crazy things, but it's like the view is psychotic. But pe some people think because they don't like the right that they're like they're, they're doing something, but they're not. And then on the right, you know, I'm not going to name names, but I'll just say, in my opinion, 95 percent of the Republican Party, Republican politics, Republican podcasts, media people, people that speak on college campuses, they're all fake. They're all basically like a containment where it's like, you know, just go here and get people to talk about blue hair and this and you know like it's like this little like dummy loop where it's like they just catch you in a loop of like the same five topic talking points but when it comes to certain talking points they're always on the wrong side and it's not random why they're on the wrong side so you know i think that this is making people really like snap out of it in a, in a very aggressive unfortunate way but like if you're left wing and you thought john fetterman was on your side now you realize they're not
If you were a left-wing BLM activist, how come the media loved you when you promoted Black Lives Matter and they were defending you and supporting you and talking about how great you were? But now that same Democrat media that loved you when you were burning down your neighborhood for George Floyd, now they're trying to cancel your protests and kick you out of school and dox you because you're criticizing the government of Israel. You know, it's like now left-wingers are like, whoa, I thought, you know, I thought the establishments were on our side. I thought the donors of our, you know, liberal college agreed with us. And it's like, no, they don't, you know? And uh, you, you can't just play an opposite game of like, oh, well, BLM support the left and Palestine. Sure, Hillary Clinton, left wing, supports Israel, you know, and doesn't want to cease fire while they want to cease fire. You know, you could call everyone anti-Semitic, but there's millions of Jews that think that what's going on in Gaza is a genocide. And then you have millions of Jews who think that the opposite is a genocide. And, you know, you if you want to call everybody anti-Semitic all the time, you can. But it's only making the word mean nothing because now it's not just left wingers calling it to right wingers or whatever, the most extreme people. It's that word means whatever they want it to mean. And it's being passed through legislation by Republicans uh, in order to shut down any sort of criticism of a foreign government. And if you look at the people like who, who donates to Trump and DeSantis, et cetera, it's not hate speech to say it's the same reason that you know, they take tens of millions of dollars from certain industries and then they do what the industry wants. It's not rocket science. They're getting paid off. It's the same reason that uh, Stephen Curry promotes Subway sandwiches. Do you think Steph Curry eats Subway sandwiches every day? No, they paid him a crap load of money. You think Aaron Rodgers and, and, and Travis Kelsey care about State Farm? Maybe, but they got paid. You know, that's how politics works, too. I know they want to call it hate speech or anti-pharmatic or whatever. That's if you criticize Big Pharma, it's anti-pharmatic or anti-vaxxer or whatever. But it's like, it's not rocket science. It's just people give lots of money to get stuff done. And the DeSantis's and the Trump's and the Biden's and the Hillary's of this world are like middlemen who in some cases call the shots and other cases rely on certain funding in order to uh, achieve office or get what they need to do. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough situation. I wouldn't want to be a politician. It looks terrible. Um, but long story short, you see the whole left-right paradigm breaking down. I mean, what could be a better analysis of like weirdness of like you have black Hebrew Israelites fighting with Palestinian protesters. You have progressives mad at John Fetterman because John Fetterman siding with Hillary Clinton and Dan Crenshaw. Yet, you know, you have the activists and the Pope and the UN on the other side of the argument. Like this is shattering paradigms. And in general, my one rule is like, you never want to play opposite day. Like when right wingers said, well, Donald Trump said water is wet. So now I think that it's not you, you become a dummy when your ego gets too high and you just want to disagree. If you disagree with everything Trump ever said, you're going to be wrong often because he did say a lot of stuff that was right. Did he do it? Some of it, some of it, he was just talking, but in general, you can't play opposite day. Playing opposite day made the left turn in, like they lost the plot because of their ego. It's like going to school and getting a doctorate in a left-wing organization or the medical industry, and you think you're so smart, and then you become an idiot because you think you're so smart, and you think there's nothing to learn, and you believe everything that you were taught, and anybody who questions it is dumb. You become an idiot, you know? And then same with the right. There's a lot of people just trying to play opposite day. Trust me, you're on the right side because BLM's on the other side. I mean, I could point to 50 examples of people that are on your side that are that are not ideal. So all I'm saying is not to change your opinion based on that, is to not make an opinion based on what other people are doing. Make an opinion 
based on fair analysis of what's actually going on and who you should and shouldn't support. Or, you know, when it comes to foreign aid, I've known for years since 2019, they will call you an anti-Semite if you think America should cut aid to Israel. I mean, if you want to get called anti-Semitic and have 50 articles written about you, just go out there and say that you think that America should cut all foreign aid, including aid to Israel. The press will turn against you in a heartbeat. They'll call you an anti-Semite. They'll say you hate everybody. You want to hurt people. Even if you're just like, no, I'm just libertarian. I think America shouldn't be doling out money to Ukraine or any country because I think, you know, it's basically just taking money from the American taxpayer, giving it to a foreign country. And, you know, I, it's like a principled perspective. Trust me, they'll call you anti-Semitic. So don't even think it. You have, you have to understand in order to be a Republican like Matt Gaetz or Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis or Dan Bongino or Dave Rubin or Ben Shapiro or, you know, anybody that you look up to and thinks that really means what they say, but they probably don't. Just know that if they ever said that they completely wanted to cut foreign aid, they wouldn't be where they are. They wouldn't get invited to places that they were. They know the game they have to play. Everyone knows, you know, I don't think this, the supporters know, but now they're starting to realize because it's just obvious, you know, it's like, all right, well, that's just what you have to say. So if that's the case, then what's really going on? If you're not even allowed to have certain opinions on the Republican party, you know, what's the purpose of it? And you can figure it out really quickly. And, uh, you know, when it comes to Christianity, and there's a lot of Christians in the right wing, I, I want to do a bigger deep dive onto this another time, but there is a whole biblical Christian debate about what Christians are supposed to do at this time. If you listen to Netanyahu, he is invoking a lot of biblical passages, right? Light versus dark, and you know, basically saying this is what it says here in the Bible, because he knows he has a lot of evangelical Christian support, um, and, and there's a big debate being had now of what does it mean in the Bible to be Israel? Is Israel the group of people that are still Israel even when they're scattered amongst the lands, or is it the, phys is it the physical or the group? You know, this is a, this is a debate being had. Um, but of course, the, state, the government of Israel wants to harp on that because they want people's support. Um, and I think in the Christian world, especially in the Republican world, it's been a sort of thing where like you're not allowed to like ask any questions. You're better. You're almost like better off asking a question about Jesus or Christianity or America than you are about that country where it's like no questions, no thought, no, no, no thought process. And it's like, okay, so I could question my own government, but I can't do that. I'm just supposed to assume that everything they do is perfect and any sort of questions at all, even if it comes from the nicest place in the world and you love them will be considered hate speech uh, because um, your job is just to worship them and, and completely not think about anything, you know, that's, I think, led to a lot of foreign policy things that America's got into, uh, combined with the fact that America does what it wants anyway. Like, I don't think it cares what the public thinks. And I think that in general, there's always going to be an event that shifts public perception. And to me, that's an interesting part about this is public perception is not on the side of war right now. And it's fascinating. Like before 9-11, you could find years of videos talking about bin Laden, years of videos talking about Saddam Hussein, years of videos saying we have to invade the Middle East, years of, you know, uh, stories go, like wars. And, you know, they were trying to get the public to really back the war. 
and people don't like war. Most people don't like war in every country. They don't want to fight. They don't want to see their sons and daughters die. They don't want to feel scared. They, they would love if their governments could figure it out because at the end of the day, who's winning the Ukraine and Russia war? What's the point? You know, who's, how many people are going to die until what? What's going to happen at the end? With Israel and Palestine, how far is this going to go? Like, where do both sides want to go? Where does Hamas want to go with this? Where does Netanyahu want to go with this? Only time will tell. But most people don't, you know, they they, they want it to end at a certain point so they can live in peace. But before 9-11, public support wasn't really there. After 9-11, it absolutely was there. And now it's a no-brainer. Launch it. Go there. And once we got to the Middle East, you know, they did a bunch of things that had nothing to do with bin Laden or 9-11. It's like they got their excuse to go to the Middle East and then they did it. I'm not saying anything about 9-11. I'm just saying that caused them to have the justification. It's the same way when a shooting happens. Shootings ha happens in America all the time. It's, it's a tragedy. And I'm not saying that they're all planned or anything. And I know that's going to be what they take out of this, but it's not, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is when a tragedy does happen, they will point to it and then use it as leverage to try to achieve stuff. And both sides do it. You know, with the Palestine protests, I understand that certain people are doing more than protesting and they're getting arrested for blocking stuff, doing stuff. But if you're peacefully protesting, you know, Republicans already passed legislation to shut down peaceful boycotts and protests. I don't I can't be lectured by somebody that knows half as much as me when they're like, oh, Anomaly, you don't understand. It's only for the terrorists and the violent. Guys, I've read the legislation in 2019. You can't trick me. You can't gaslight me. I'm not stupid enough to fall for that. I've read Trump's legislation. I've read the whole thing. I've read DeSantis's legislation. I know the definition of anti-Semitism that they're using, and I know what it means, and I know how it's being passed into legislation, and I know that it's exceeding way beyond just terrorism and uh, violence. It's going way further than that, so you can't trick me into this. So all I'm saying is they've already had the legislation there for four years now. They passed it in 2019, Trump and DeSantis at the same time. Now, because of the crisis in America and the protests, and it's getting ugly and it's getting uncomfortable, you have Trump, DeSantis, and all of the Republicans, they're saying, let's shut down the protests. And Dave Rubin, let's shut them down. They've already passed legislation to shut down peaceful protests in 2019. And you don't need to pass legislation to shut down further than that, because further than that is already against the law. You know, it's like if you pass a racism bill, what does that mean? You know, violence is already against the law. Terrorism to, to a violent extent is against the law. Peaceful protest is legal, even for unfavorable groups in this country. It's the foundation of whatever fake democracy republic we have left. And it's the only thing keeping us from turning into an authoritarian, psychotic slave country. So it's pretty important. Um, I've read the legislation. And now if you go to Trump's Truth Social or Ron DeSantis's uh, Twitter, they're all saying the same thing. They're saying this means that we need to shut down protests. Guys, this is not new. This is them using a tragedy, just like Democrats use a tragedy, to use legislation that takes away your liberty that they've passed four years ago. They're just waiting for a time that the public can get tricked into using it. Usually they use Ilhan Omar. They're just like, look at Ilhan Omar. Okay, let's do it. And it's like, yeah, Ilhan Omar sucks. She's a uh, you know, she's not a top tier politician by any means. I think her domestic policy is pathetic, but that's the little like, you know, cat laser pointer for the right that they use. And then people don't even read the legislation or pay attention. Um, it's just interesting. This is like a moment where so many things are not adding up, but it's because people weren't looking at the right situation of how things work.
one thing I want to say too before I move on. I condemn, and, and I'm not doing this just to pander. I truly mean this. Like, I love people from everywhere. I, there's some people from everywhere I don't like, but I've lived a life that I know that there's great people of every religion, every race, every country. And I would never look down at just one country and hate everybody there. No matter what side's trying to get me to do that, I know that there's great people all over. And I hate to see the tension building up around the world. It's bringing back Christian versus Muslim. It's bringing back Muslim versus Jew. A lot of these things that were kind of on the out and out are now starting to come back because of what's going on. And I'm not saying I'm not blaming anybody. It's just everyone kind of sees it and it's making everyone uncomfortable and it sucks. Nobody wants to live uncomfortable. Nobody wants to worry about what's going on. Um, but that's happening as a result of the war and the escalation on both sides. Um, with that being said, you know, I see a lot of people on Twitter saying anti-Semitism is rising. I don't know, like what percentage, 900, 300, 400. The ADL is now condemning left-wing protests. And you know what I'm saying? Now they're mad at the people that they liked a year ago. And like things are just starting to like ramp up. And they're saying, you know, the hate is, is rising and it's rising. I want to say two things about that. First of all, I've been lied about already by multiple activist groups, multiple Jewish organizations, multiple Zionist media companies, and that's just the truth. They've called me anti-Semitic for questioning foreign aid. They called me anti-Semitic for talking about certain people's loyalty when I didn't say all people, I just said certain people. Uh, you know, they've called me anti-Semitic for, I don't know, every like just, just having a critical thought process when it came to the American relationship with Zionism, mostly what I was interested in was not telling Israel they don't have a right to exist. It wasn't hating on their government. In fact, I probably complimented them more times I complimented Trump. It was just the fact that Trump and DeSantis were passing speech laws in America. And as an American citizen, I thought that hate speech laws and, and, and calling everything racist and anti-Semitic and pushing it into legislation, I just think it's too far. And not only do I think it's bad for America, I think it's bad for Israel. And I think it's bad for the world because I don't think you stop hate with speech policing. I don't think you make people like you by canceling their protests. I, I think that actually does the opposite. So even what I was saying, even though I have the right to think what I want, it came from a good place of trying to help people and ease the tension. So they've already lied about me. And I know that they exaggerate with the word anti-Semitism more than I've ever seen anyone exaggerate with anything. And it's happened to me before this conflict even broke out. And it was one of the worst media smears I've ever had. And they, they'll never stop. They just constantly lie about me, constantly try to dox me, constantly try to harass me and, and, and you know, get me to bow down or something. And, and, and I won't do it because I stand by what I said or I wouldn't have said it. But in general, so that's one part of it. When you constantly try to bully everybody and call everybody anti-Semitic a million times, people stop respecting the word, but also you're, you're making more people not like you. You can't change my heart, so I'll still love you. I'll still show you love, even if you try to harass me and bully me. I'll still pray for you. But other people, it's like they don't like being lied about. They don't like being smeared. They don't like being harassed. They don't like being bullied. They don't like having you try to shut down their events. And it turns public perception against you. With that being said, you know, how are you defining that word? I think 30 years ago, what it meant and what it means now is different. And if you pass this definition of anti-Semitism through legislation in a, in a country that's supposed to have free speech and the right to boycott, and you use both parties to make boycotting and protesting and speaking illegal in certain areas and schools, you're only making more people not like certain things. It doesn't work. There's a reason that America has these rules. It doesn't work. Like you could say, 
you can't say that about George Floyd or you can't say that about black people and people will stop saying it or Asians or whoever, you know, people will stop saying it to be respectful. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, if there's certain tension between races or there's certain tension between foreign policy or whatever, it doesn't just disappear the, the, the point that you outlaw, then people just think it. And then, you know, it builds even worse because there's no outlet to express yourself about a topic that you're interested in. So it's like, this doesn't work. And that's why America was the way it was. So it's like, when they say all these numbers are rising, I think one of two things, well, how are you defining anti-Semitic hate speech? Because I know how psychotically they, they define it in these groups. And the, so everything is hate speech because they've, they've exaggerated about what the word means, tried to pass it through legislation. And now they're seeing it everywhere because they've taken the word that meant this to this. And I mean, by definition, it doesn't even make sense because if you look up what the word Semitic means, it also includes Arabs, which their definition doesn't, which is fine. I don't care. I'm just saying. So that's part of it. And then also, I think in general, you know, this is a part of it that America also doesn't have for our foreign policy, but it's self-accountability. So for example, if you were against the Iraq war, everybody used to hate you in America. If you didn't agree with the Patriot Act, everyone used to hate you in America, but it didn't mean you hated America. It's called self-accountability and self-awareness. And a lot of people have none of it. A lot of countries have none of it. And they think that just policing what people can say will make people like them. But the truth is, you know, America used to be a very popular country and now it's not. We're, 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 dis we're despised by most of the world now. And it's not because we're free and it's not because we're having fun. It's because of our foreign policy. Most of the world hates us now because of our foreign policy and because they've seen what we've done in multiple different countries. And we've become the world police in a sense. And if you look at Ukraine and Russia, we're involved in that conflict. Zelensky's banned political parties. Zelensky's arresting priests and shutting down churches. And, you know, who likes that? That's not cool. But America won't even talk about it. They'll just keep funding the guy and calling you pro-Putin if you disagree. So I know people don't like to have self-awareness, but that's another thing too, where if you just try to police speech all the time, you can do it temporarily. It works temporarily, but in general, it doesn't work. You, you have to have some sort of awareness of like, you know, what's going on. And then you can try to fix other problems in the world and fix your home, your problems at home. But if you just sit there and point the blame at everybody else all the time and constantly just smear everybody who has any sort of question for you at all while taking zero accountability, it's only going to make more people not like you over time. It doesn't work that way. So, you know, you've watched what happened with woke culture in this country. For 10 years, woke culture was really popular and it's starting to die out. Why is it dying? Why was it popular at first? Because America is a nice place. We became more diverse and people claimed to want to help other people and women and freedom or whatever. And they wanted to be liberal and, and, and just and justify, you know, this these people have been hated over time and we got to show them love. And then they went too far. Right. It went from we want gay people to get married so they can have a marriage like everyone else. And Christians didn't like that because it's against the Bible. But they did it. OK, most people in America didn't even care because most Christians don't even like pay attention that much and they're focused on themselves. So then it was like all the Christian pastors that said it was going to go further. Everybody laughed at them and the imams and whoever, the religious leaders that said this is going to go too far. And then it did go too far. Then they started forcing it on everyone. Then they had an entire month that they you know, marched around with their sexuality. We don't even have a month for water, which keeps us alive. We don't have a month for, for the element, you know, or multiple elements combined that make H2O, we don't even have a month to celebrate the 
thing that keeps everybody living and breathing, but we have a whole month to celebrate sodomy. And if you don't like it, you're a homophobe. And if you don't want kids to be there, you're a homophobe or whatever. And it's like, now if the kid can transgender and you know, anybody could play sports and it's like, well, now you went from most people agreeing with you to most people not liking it. And it's not because they're homophobic necessarily. Some people might be afraid of you, but most people are just tired of the escalation. Most people in America are not racist. I would say it's probably one of the least racist places in the world, although the media makes it seem like it's the most racist. So, you know, when a country is really not that racist and you try to act like it's you go to Argentina or somewhere else, you know, you'll see real different types of ethnic thought process because of where people are in the demographics. But in general, it got pushed so far in America that you made people want to stop watching the NFL. Not be, They've never been racist their whole life. They just are tired of your bullshit. So it's like pushing too far makes people turn against you. Now, you know, if Republicans were smart, they'd win the election by 10 points. Uh, unfortunately for Republicans, they're not smart and they're working for the other side anyway. So it's probably going to be a 50-50 election because they're idiots and they're a bunch of frauds, but and, and they're a bunch of losers. They're like ugly, weird Hollywood that, you know, it's like that's why Trump is so cool because he's so much funnier than everyone there because they're all like rejects from, from LA or something. But anyway, then you go to like, woke culture is falling apart because they push too far. But if you talk to a left winger, they'll say, woke culture is falling apart because everybody's racist, everybody's sexist, everybody's xenophobic, everybody's this. And the left used to call the right anti-Semitic and now they're getting called anti-Semitic for disagreeing with Israel and they're getting their protest shut down and they don't want their protest shut down. But now Dave Rubin wants a protest shut down. And the hypocrisy is just flowing out of all sides. And the thing was, it's not new. People just didn't notice it. The left wasn't just hypocritical yesterday. They've always been hypocrites. Now they're just getting a taste of what they were doing. The right, it's not new that Dave Rubin and Ben Shapiro are hypocrites. They've been hypocrites. People just didn't notice because there was no massive event that made it really come out to the forefront as obvious as right now. So this is my thought when it comes to world peace. And I'm not going to say where it's possible to even get there, but the word anti-Semitism. Yes, there are bad people in the world and you should look at them and not like them. But if you call everyone bad all the time and you exaggerate as much as the left exaggerates about woke, which they do and groups do, organizations, et cetera, then eventually it's going to collapse like wokeness. And that's what's happening now. At first, you were only anti-Semitic if you really hated people. Then, you know, any Jewish person who, su who supports America more than Israel, they call them anti-Semitic. You know, any... Uh, any Christian that, you know, disagrees with foreign aid is an anti-Semite. Elon Musk is anti-Semitic. This is anti -Semitic. You know, your paper, like now it's at the point where it's falling apart. And the more it falls apart, it's just like, well, culture, everybody starts freaking out and going further and further and further. But it's like, there has to be self-awareness, has to be part of this equation. It has to be. And I say this from the kindness of my heart, because this is the sad part about governments and activist groups, et cetera. It's the good people that are going to have to suffer, not the people cashing out on this stuff. When you look at some of these black activist groups that create a policy in Minnesota and half of them don't even live there, who is that hurting? Of course, it's going to hurt everyone in Minnesota, but it's especially going to hurt black neighborhoods where not everybody's bad in those neighborhoods. And the people that are trying to send their kids to school are the ones that are going to suffer because they actually live there and they have to deal with all the crime that you guys don't care about. So it's like, you know, a lot of these black activist groups are just putting black people in a worse situation. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of Jewish organizations also, they, they're always fighting anti-Semitism all the time, everywhere, and everything's this and that, but they're really hurting the average person when tensions start to rise, and now, you know, people start feeling uncomfortable all the time, and it's like, 
those are the people that have to suffer, the good people that aren't running around calling everyone anti-Semitic, just like black people in certain neighborhoods are not running around calling everyone racist all the time, but they're the ones that are dealing with the blowback of the left-wing policing policies in those neighborhoods. It's an absolute catastrophe what's going on in New York City in Los Angeles. I think I saw a clip, I didn't watch it, but I saw the headline that Jared Kushner said that certain cities in Saudi Arabia are safer than, than New York City. He's completely right. You know what I'm saying? I don't know the context of why he was saying it or what, but he's right. It is safer for a Jew in certain Arab cities than it is in New York City. Why is that? Why is New York City so unsafe? Why is Beverly Hills not even safe anymore? You know what I'm saying? Why is why is nobody of any race or religion safe in American cities anymore, but you could fly to another country and, and, and watch a city that has more people and less crime? Something is profoundly wrong in America right now, and just calling everyone racist, sexist, anti-Semitic, whatever, is not going to fix the issue. It only makes it worse. So, you know, I, I've seen this for years now, and you're starting to see in real time because of this conflict, like they're saying, I, I see all these people I follow on Twitter, and they're like, I had no idea so many people were anti-Semitic. I had no idea. I had no idea. And the thing is, I, I tried to have this conversation in 2019 where I was like, listen, sweeping this under the rug, exaggerating about this word, overusing this word, pushing people out to the forefronts of society because they have a question about foreign aid, it's not going to work. You know, over time, more and more people are going to not like that because it's not a genuine way to get your point across. And it, you're starting to see it now where, you know, I had no idea what people thought about Israel and Palestine, to be honest, because when there's no conflict, no one's really that loud about it. Like, I didn't know what Dave Rubin was going to do. I had no idea BLM supported Palestine. I, I Honestly, if you would have asked me before it, who will BLM support? I would have thought maybe Israel. I don't know. I, like, I have no idea. I, I didn't know like they were this into it. It seems a little odd, honestly, but to each their own. Like, I didn't know the Pope would be on the side of Palestine. I didn't know the UN criticized Israel. I thought they wouldn't do that. I hadn't, you know, I had no idea John Fetterman wouldn't support a ceasefire. Um, I didn't like I didn't see any of this coming. I didn't know there would be thousands of, you know, Jewish liberals in the street protesting Israel on a subway. Like this was all I had no idea what people were thinking, but it's all coming to the forefront now. And all I'm saying is I would be very I mean, people could do what they want, but I would be very careful about just labeling everything hate speech all the time, because one it's not going to work Two, it actually backfires because people want to have a real conversation. They don't want to be told that everything's hateful all the time. And a lot of people on the left are now acting like they want to be able to speak when they've been the biggest speech police ever. I mean, look at these Palestine protests. They all got masks on. They all look like idiots, like they're afraid of COVID. It's embarrassing, but you know, they're out there for a cause they believe in. And then you go to the right, and the right's acting like snowflakes. They're exaggerating. They're, they're, they're calling everything hate speech and they want to shut everything down. And it's like, this is fascinating. But I, if there was ever a time for American citizens to realize that the uniparty and the left-right paradigm and the Democrat-Republican paradigm and the Trump-DeSantis paradigm and the Biden, you know, whatever paradigm, if, if there's ever a better time to realize that it's all BS and it's all nonsense, now would be a great time. And when I go out, it's like, I know that there is a diversity. Like I have certain friends that are Jewish that they really love and support Israel, right? And they say like, you got to support it. This is like the democracy of the Middle East. Like this is, and then I've met people that are like, nah, I, you know, that are Jewish also. And they're like, ah, I think what Israel's doing in Gaza is pretty messed up. You know, I've met Jewish people that say, ah, I think it's a little odd how this all happened. Like 
there is diversity of thought in the Jewish world. It's just now tensions are so high, people are feeling uncomfortable. And now everybody's afraid to say anything because if you say this, you're, they're going to call you an anti-Semite. If you say this, they're going to call you a terrorist. And it's like tensions are rising. Understandably, I see what's going on. But the way the press and, and like political people are acting is like nuts. You know, half of the right is trying to bring back 2001 George Bush stuff. We've talked about it, but it's like they're trying to bring back like the Christian Jew Muslim thing. We're like freaking everyone out all the time to the point where like Charlie Kirk is like, if you hate America on a college campus, you should be deported to your home country. I agree. But here's the thing. Charlie's not talking about people who hate America. People have hated America all the time. He's talking about people that disagree with Israel. Charlie's trying to deport them like DeSantis and all of them. And here's what I'm saying. If you say that if you disagree with a foreign country, you need to be deported. Why? Like, what does that say about America that it cares more about a foreign country than its own country? And also, if you are actually talking about America and say, if you don't like America, you should be deported if you're a foreign student on a college campus. I know Charlie's not a foreign student, but when it comes to Charlie Kirk, Charlie Kirk criticizes the FBI. Charlie Kirk criticizes the deep state. Charlie Kirk criticizes schools in America. Charlie Kirk criticizes both parties in America. Charlie Kirk criticizes the military in America and where they're going. Charlie Kirk criticizes the media in America. Charlie Kirk criticizes America more than most people. Does he hate America? What does it mean to hate? I know some people do hate our country, but you know, Charlie Kirk seems to disagree with American culture more than most people. Would I say he hates this country? Of course not. So, you know, where do you really draw the line of what is hate? Yeah, some people are like, America sucks. It should be conquered, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's pretty, uh, you know, that could be considered hateful. But you got to, in my view, watch what you preach because it's like, I would say you're a heavy, heavy critic of this country, but I know that you don't hate this country, you are just trying to reform it because you're a patriot. But how do you tell what someone else is? What if someone's a foreign student and they just like Palestine more than Israel, but they love America? There's many such cases. I follow a Muslim who's obsessed with like Trump, but she's on the side of Palestine now and she's considering moving because she's like, ah, people don't like me here. I don't, I don't know, but I'm just saying it's like, does that mean she hates America because she doesn't side with one of our allies? Do you hate America, Charlie Kirk, if you disagree with uh, Ukraine and you think that Putin makes more sense than Zelensky? Does that mean you hate America because you're against America's foreign policy? Like, where where do you make that, that decision? Um, I'm for when it comes to illegal immigration. I mean, can we start with one thing at first? I don't think we need to deport college students. I mean, you could try, but... Can we start with the fact that the border's wide open at the, at the you know, the, what is there, like 7 million? How, how many millions of people coming across the border? Like, that seems like a pretty easy starting point. It's like every day, hundreds upon thousands of people just pour into our country illegally, which is psychotic. Like, can you can't even stop that? And you're trying to deport college students? I don't know. I mean, I know people are just talking, which is why, to be fair, I don't really care that much anymore because I realize that it's all talk and I'm not saying I don't care. I love this country. I care about people. I want humanity to calm down and everybody to have a good time. That that would be nice to me, but I don't have the power to do that. When it comes to left-wing and right-wing politics, they're all talkers. You know, it's it's that's all anyone's doing. It's like, let's here's what I think. It's like, who cares what you think? That the Republican Party had the House, the Senate, the presidency and they couldn't even finish the wall. Now Biden's in office and he's doing nothing and if Republicans get back in office, they'll probably also do nothing. You know, 
Republicans, you got the Johnson, Johnson and Johnson speaker. What's his name? Jerry Johnson, Jim Johnson, Mike Johnson, Jim Jordan. Who cares? They're all the same. But in general, the glasses guy who told his white son he's privileged, um, he's out here saying, oh, you know, we got to stop the spending. Bro, you're not going to. What are you talking about, bro? You're going to send tens of billions of dollars to a foreign. You're not going to stop the spending. Republicans, including Trump and DeSantis, they govern. They, they talk like libertarians and they govern like socialists every time republicans say fiscally we're gonna cut the deficit you're not you're not you know i would say desantis maybe has the best case of like florida wise i don't know how much he spent but it seems like he's actually doing a decent job on a on a state level but besides like nationally when's the last time a republicans got in and cut spending what are you talking like does anyone even believe this anymore we're gonna cut the spending and and, and john fetterman comes in he's like i'm gonna be progressive you're going to be Hillary Clinton when they ask you to be Hillary Clinton, John Fetterman. And so, and so is the other guy, you know, and it's like, everything is so tangled right now, but the silver lining, if you could pick one in such a sad time is that it's, it's revealing certain things. Like if I say the country's going to lock down in a year and it sounds insane and nobody believes me and they write a hundred smear articles about me and try to ruin my life, but then the country locks down a year later that's the truth. No matter how many people say the other, like it happened. So the truth is the truth. You know, I remember four, five, six, seven months before the lockdown, I was talking about mandatory vaccines. I said, mandatory vaccines are coming to America. Mandatory vaccines are coming to America. And at the time, nobody cared. And I remember, honestly, I was like reaching out to some of my Republican friends because I realized they were like totally clueless when it came to big pharma tyranny. Like they were old school Republicans and they didn't know anything. And I'm like, this is this is like a bipartisan problem and it's coming into a, a, the country. Democrats are doing it, but Republicans don't care. And I was like, yo, mandatory vaccines are coming around the corner. I said that in 2019. I didn't say it because I had a message through a telescope or anything. I said it because they passed the legislation, then they used the legislation. If Trump and DeSantis pass anti-protest and boycott laws, they're going to use it. If they pass the Patriot Act, they're going to use it. If they pass the CARES Act, they're going to do what it says in there. They're going to give the money to their friends, and then they're going to bring in the testing and, and tyranny that they did. It was all signed off by both parties. And when it came to mandatory vaccines, they were pushing to do it already. So you could tell it was like a roller coaster. It had already begun, and it was coming, and then it came. So all I'm saying is like, no matter what people call me, they could call me an anti-vaxxer. It's not true. They can call me a conspiracy theorist. It's not true. They can call me whatever they want. But the truth is the truth anyway. So that's how I see it. It's like, you know, you can get mad at me. You could lie about me. You could make up stuff. You could try to act like what I'm saying is so wrong and so crazy and so so nuts and so mean. But if it's true, it's true. And everyone's going to figure it out eventually because it's going to happen or it's not going to happen. And if it happens, who cares what you said about me a year ago? Because it just happened. If I say there's going to be mandatory vaccines and you say I'm an anti-vaxxer and then mandatory vaccines come around the corner, I'm right. You're wrong. My credibility is better than yours, you know? And that's why a lot of these journalists, they're not popular. No one likes them. No one listens to them. All they have is systemic establishment power and they wield it and sit behind a keyboard. That's fine. But, you know, I've done my research. I've done my work. I put my ass on the line. I, you know, I dropped out of journalism school to do my own journalism and my own music. And I've reached a billion people. I have millions of followers. I have more respect because I've earned it. So you could say what you want about me and I could say what I want about you, but I'm not going to get that petty in general, people are going to figure it out. You know, there's a lot of options. And to be quite clear too, when it comes to the world, you know, Israel and America, we really need to think about what we're doing because if you look at certain trends, they're not going in our direction. 
Islam is the fastest growing religion in the world. Muslim people are having way more babies than a lot of white countries. It's just true. And I'm not saying you can't be white and Muslim. You can. It's a religion. I'm just saying you get you get it. It's like Islam is growing and growing and growing. The Saudis have a lot of money. United Arab Emirates have a lot of rent money. Qatar has a lot of money. You know, they're starting to get into our entertainment for the first time. They're starting to dominate boxing and mixed martial arts. They got money. They treat people good. They have cities that are cleaner than our cities. Like we should be embarrassed right now in America that New York City is not even cool anymore. Los Angeles is not even cool anymore. Vegas is okay. I mean, they clean up the strips. So that's all right. But in general, it's like, you know, we're losing on a world scale. These people got a lot of money. Demographically, they're going to crush us. And, you know, all these little media games, America and Israel playing with everybody, calling everyone names all the time. It's not going to work when your country anyway. It's like, look at Dearborn, Michigan 70 years ago and look at it now. They're waving Palestine flags because they're Muslim. You know, they don't agree with you. And over time, those numbers are going to go more and more and more in that favor. So all I'm saying is, you know, you got to tell the truth. You can't just call people names all the time because it's not going to work. And in general, eventually people are going to have other options than America. You know, you're starting to see it in the sports world. You're starting to see it with, uh, you know, a lot of different trends where people are like, well, I don't, I don't need American entertainment because we'll create our own entertainment. We have the money. We have oil money. We can, we'll buy their, you know, PGA golf tour. We'll make live golf. We'll, we'll just buy the golfers and they, they are buying the golfers. So it's like, you know, I don't even necessarily see this as a super negative thing because I almost see it as like when Rumble and BitChute and Gab and, you know, True Social and all these like alternate platforms started doing stuff, even TikTok, even though I don't like TikTok, once they started competing, everyone had to be like, well, Facebook and Google don't have the monopoly that they used to have. So now they started changing based on the competition. It's like you could lose every right wing streamer if you want. Then you have half the money and half the power. So eventually we have leverage if they are going too far. And I think that's happening in the sports world. It's like, I don't want American companies to be bought out by Saudi Arabia. At the same time, it's like, who agrees with my values more, Saudi Arabia or some left winger that probably would throw me in a camp for questioning sexuality, you know, in like a month parade that they're having, you know, or making a joke about it. There's people in certain countries that are going to jail for making like, LGBT jokes. And it's like, you know, I don't want foreign countries to own my sports leagues. But at this point, it's like the sports leagues in my country hate me. They hate my politics. They blame me based on my skin color. They don't like my religion. It's like, you're not really an ally. You know what I'm saying? Like you're doing activism while people are burning down our neighborhoods during a lockdown. You're on the side of lockdown. You're on the side of forced vaccination. You guys are terrible. And I'm not saying Saudis are like, great. I'm sure they did the forced vaccination nonsense too for money. But in general, it's like, you know, that's the world right now, America and Israel, but especially America, you know, we, we have to be very careful about what we're doing because at a certain point, we don't have the leverage that we used to have over everyone and everything. And we're slowly losing it in multiple ways, financially, demographically, uh, competition wise. And, you know, I would say at a certain point, as an American that loves America, it's our own fault. It's our own fault because we had everything. And the reason that we lost a lot of stuff is we lost the respect of a lot of the world. And they, they don't hate us because we're so free. They hate us because of our foreign policy. And we're just doing more and more and more and more and more. And it's like, you know, you could tell everyone that it's amazing. You could tell everyone that it's so awesome and you're standing up for righteousness. You know, you could censor protests. You can tell the opposition that they're so bad, but over time it, it's not working. I think in order 
to, to maintain as a country. And in order to really be able to compete in the next 50, 60, 70, 80 years, there's going to be a huge shift. And, you know, calling the left, calling everything hate speech and the right, calling everything hate speech. It's not working. It's not going to work. And you see it breaking down right now. If you go to if you go to people's social medias, whether they're left wing or right wing, I'm seeing a lot of people saying, yo, I got to leave Twitter. I didn't realize this much hate existed. I didn't realize this much hate existed. Wow. I didn't realize how much people hate this and hate that. And it's like part of it is social media. I think people just say what you know they want and it's like out of context and there's no, you know, it's like you, it might seem crazier than the world really is if you sit on social media too much. At the same time, you call the truth hate speech. So you're hating the fact that so many people are realizing certain things. And yes, some of them are dickheads. Some of them are annoying. Some of them I don't like. I can't stand too. It's like, you don't think people hate and say stupid crap in my comments too. It's like, I don't act that way. I don't think that way. But at the same time, I noticed that the people that are getting the most upset right now, they're labeling everything hate when the reality is like maybe 30% of it's hate. And 70% of it is like the truth that they don't want to talk about and have conversations about because it's like topics that are too edgy. When it comes to left-wingers, you know, I watched, um, I think his name is Adam Sosnick on Valuetainment. He's more left-wing, I think. He, he's next to Patrick Bet David. He had a little debate with Katie Hopkins. And I'm not, you know, I don't like subscribe to everything Katie Hopkins says because I don't even really follow her. But he came right out the gate basically just trying to like personally shit on her because, you know, of her like right wing views about immigration and demographics and all this stuff. And it's like it's just a math equation. I don't care what you think or it's like if, you know, white people in England aren't having a lot of kids and there's a lot more Muslims than they used to be and they're having a lot of kids and the number one name in England is Muhammad. You know, the country is going to be more Muslim. It's going to vote for more Muslim people. It's going to Muslim values will uh, probably instill themselves into the population. And it's not hateful to say that. Some people agree with it. Some people disagree. Some people think it might get more conservatives because Muslims, in many ways, they're more conservative than Christians. Others, they don't like their country changing that much. But it's like, regardless whether you have a left-wing or right-wing perspective on it, you had the guy Adam trying to just act like it's so crazy that she even says stuff like that because he Googled something. And it's like, bro, you could call that hateful, but in 50 years, you calling it hateful doesn't matter because it's happening mathematically and scientifically, whether you agree with it or not. So, you know, it's like you could you everyone could say what they want and call it like and then you go to the right. It's the same thing. Everything's anti-Semitism. Everything's hate speech. And it's like I've seen you guys actively for years ignoring conversations and debates about this topic. So people started moving away from you because they didn't trust you because you weren't trustworthy. And there's a lot of competition nowadays you know i don't beg my audience to watch me in fact i tell people to leave when they don't want to watch i don't i don't ask people to trust me i don't demand that they trust me they should trust me based on what i do my actions my reporting and if my reporting starts sucking and i get i sell out to pfizer or something like donald trump did you know you, you're not expected to love my character you have to you know be like anomaly sucks now you know he's not who he was three years ago so every day that i work every day that i make a a video i'm competing with myself yesterday i don't take anything for granted nor should i because things change quickly there's a lot of competition so you know i'm not necessarily super cozy in my position and i'm grateful for that when i lose money or lose deals i don't say oh poor me oh i don't i'm not making as much money i say 
thank you, God. I understand why you're doing this. You know, I need to struggle a little bit. I need to feel uncomfortable because that's when I work the hardest. If I'm too comfortable, I'll end up like Michael Knowles or Charlie Kirk or one of these people where, you know, they don't want to talk about certain things because it's not good for their bottom dollar. But while they're not talking about it in a cozy chair with a cozy deal, you know, they're getting lapped by other speakers and other people that are having conversations they don't want to have that are digging in the weeds when they don't want to dig in it. And, and, you know, so it's like, this all kind of is happening full circle. And I think the people that got lazy and disingenuous and, you know, really didn't want to have certain talks about certain topics and called everything hate speech on the right, like they do on the left. I think they're, they're overwhelmed by the amount of people that disagree with them now and they can't handle it. But I'm just saying the reason that it's happening is because you ignored a normal, reasonable conversation for four and five years. So a lot of people left your news reporting and went and, and started looking at other people. So, you know, it's the same with like banning people. You ban Milo and you ban Alex Jones and you ban this person, you ban that person. You could say you're doing it for the better of everybody, but then where do people go? If you ban a hundred of the top conservative news outlets and they have to go to bit shoot and rumble and gab and uh, alternate platforms, where do their audiences go? They go to those platforms and what's going on in those platforms? edgier conversations than people are willing to have on Facebook or YouTube because they don't allow it. So you're almost like forcing people in a corner and putting them in a position that they probably wouldn't have even been in in the first place. Like censorship doesn't work for, for, for good reason. And yes, there are some people, to be honest, that I don't want to listen to too. I block people and mute people all the time because it's like for my own mental health, I'm not trying to listen to freaking Joy Behar every day. I'd be in a psych ward if I listened to Joy Behar every day. Uh, or, or some of these right-wingers also. It's like, you know, we all have a choice to filter our content, but, you know, I'm just trying to look at it analytically. And the conversation I had today, you're not going to see that many places because everybody's saying and playing a certain game. And if you noticed today, I didn't tell people to be pro-Palestine. I didn't tell people to be pro-Israel. And it's not because I don't have a certain perspective or an opinion. I do. I've said it before and I'll say it again. But for the sake of this show... I, whether you're that side or that side, I wanted to talk about the analysis of what's going on. And I truly believe that this topic is exposing the left and right paradigm. BLM is not doing what you thought they would, or at least the NBA and the NFL owners and that activism, the corporate activism, they're not aligning with their little foot soldiers. Isn't that weird? You know, you have uh, Hillary Clinton and John Fetterman on the same side as a lot of right-wingers that you follow. Isn't that weird? You have the black Hebrew Israelites fighting with Palestinian protesters. Isn't that weird? Maybe they are the real ones. Just kidding. That's just a joke. But in general, I mean, or not, I don't know. You know, is that hate? I, like, I'm just, I don't, I'm not the 23 and me. I can't tell who's who, but you know, people get mad at that. I just thought it was funny, but maybe it's not. Anyway, long story short, it's offensive. I need to go on a five-week apology tour. Long story short, everything is starting to like not make that much sense. And people aren't lining up. I'm saying a few things and I'm going to leave one. You can't play opposite day like people like Matt Walsh are saying. And I'm not trying to point him out. He's just one that I see because I follow him and I respect some things he says. But in general, we don't agree on everything. Anyway, he's like, well, if you're on the side of BLM, think twice. You can't play opposite day. The left played opposite day with Hillary Clinton or with Donald Trump. And now they're idiots. You know, they played opposite day with everything that right wingers said about health. Now they're idiots. You're playing opposite day with that while you're on the side of Hillary Clinton and the Democrat establishment. That 
doesn't mean you're wrong necessarily. All I'm saying is don't play opposite that. You can't make an opinion on foreign policy based off what one person says or doesn't say. Yes, usually Dan Crenshaw, Hillary Clinton, and the neocons are on one side that you most of the time don't want to be on. But at the same time, you still got to look at every topic because Dan Crenshaw might pass a bill that you like in Texas. You can't just disagree with everything he says. You got to be honest with yourself. So the, the right-wing influencers that don't have good talking points and good information and they're getting ratioed, they're trying to play opposite day now because they know it's popular. Everybody I follow in the Republican Party that's like super, super pro-Israel and they just post the same thing the Israeli government posts, when they post stuff like that, most of their comments disagree with them. When they post like a stupid Palestine protester wearing like underwear on their head, they get people back on their side. So it's like, that's the safe thing to post right now is just playing. I mean, I get it. It's worth posting. You can't not, I'm not saying to not post it, but you can't just like play opposite day. That's my first thing. And also I do think that this is exposing the left, right paradigm, the Democrat Republican paradigm. Uh, and it's necessary because it is what it is, whether people realize it. And thirdly, I want to say that the, you know, the tension rising in the world and a lot of the, you know, dissidents rising in the world. I don't like the tension. I can't stand it. But it's one of those things where it's like this, this was always going to happen at a certain point. Like if they do this right, you're going to get pissed off. If you escalate it and do this further and kill this many people and this many civilians, people are not going to like it. You know what I'm saying? It's raising tensions. And I'm not, I'm not Mr. Oh, I, I have the moral high ground. Here's what you should do. Other people can do that. We could talk about it another time. I'm just saying like every action has a consequence. What Hamas did had a consequence. The fact that for whatever reason, uh, the security failed for five to seven hours or whatever they said it was, you know, and then that happened and they responded. And now their response is to cut off the electricity or the internet and kill tens of thousands of people or however many people they killed and probably way more than half of them are civilians. Now, other countries are getting furious, you know, and it's like tensions are rising. It sucks. I'm not here to tell people what to do, but I do think that when it comes to labeling everything hate speech, it's not working anymore. People are tired of it. They have, I would say, like complete uh, like fatigue over like woke culture. And I just find it wild that now left-wingers want to protest when they used to want to shut down protests. Right-wingers are siding with the ADL and saying they're crushing anti-Semitism when they were literally crying about them two weeks ago. I saw something that's crazy. I mean, Libs of TikTok is a woman who just shares TikTok stuff all the time. She just shares like crazy left-wingers on TikTok. I like her. Uh, she's a conservative you know, woman. I believe she's a Jewish woman. And She's trying to sue the ADL or she claims she wants to sue the ADL because they're labeling her an extremist, right? She's a Jewish woman. She's conservative. All she does is post TikToks of, of crazy left-wingers. And the ADL, which is a left-leaning Jewish organization, is calling her an extremist and she's trying to sue them or, or threatening to sue them. And then I saw another post where she's sharing the ADL's information and telling people to go to them for anti-Semitism. It's like, she's 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 threatening to sue them while basically promoting their organization like what you know what I'm like that's kind of crazy like you know what i'm saying it's like i'm suing the democratic party but you guys should go to the democratic party they'll help you but i'm gonna sue them but you should go it's like what that's a little weird no like everyone's just a lot of weird stuff is going on and i think that watching people on the right side with organizations that they pretend to be fighting with like a week ago and say, oh, they're fighting hate speech really well. They're fighting the hate speech and the protests. It's like, 
everyone's like showing their true colors and it's bizarre and it's it's just getting weird and i, I hope it stops because i like when the tension de-escalates and people get along i want to see the arab world and the western world or whatever you call it get along and it's not happening right now and i think the only thing that i could really do which is not much is just speak the truth about certain topics that a lot of people aren't speaking about because average people suffer when weirdo groups and governments and organizations on all sides push certain narratives that aren't true and try to just call everything hate speech all the time it only makes the situation worse and more tense and less and less people start caring about it so at this point what i would hope in the aftermath of this is now that the left wing realizes how important the first amendment is and the freedom to protest is maybe they should consider it next time they're being hypocrites with the right maybe the right now that they don't want to shut down, like now that they're need their safe space and they're exaggerating calling everything hate speech like i hope that their audiences which it does seem like it's happening see that they actually didn't mean what they said for the last five years and it now means less and less when both sides do it like there's something for both sides to learn from this situation and hopefully they do because in order to get america back to what it could be both sides have to act, stop acting so fake and hypocritical and i think both sides kind of like flipped on certain narratives under this situation and you know everybody kind of sees it so it's like are you as a left winger going to keep using words that they're using against you you know what i'm saying if they're calling you anti-semitic and, and you're jewish are you going to keep calling other people that maybe you are if you're right wing and you want to shut down protests and speech now and you're agreeing with left-wing organizations that you hate because they're also calling people that word like are do you think everyone doesn't realize it like do you know do, do you not see your comment section like it's not because everybody hates you it's not all hate speech it's like you're not making sense and you know it's it sucks so i don't know as crazy and terrible as everything is which you don't want to see war and tension rising i don't like it it's not fun I want everyone to be able to travel the world and have a good time. But, uh, you know, that's the one thing that I notice is I find that most right wing accounts that I follow are misanalyzing the situation. And, uh, you know, they're trying to play opposite day. Let me know what you think in the comment section. That's my take for today. Uh, God bless people. And I pray that innocent civilians are not killed. I pray that American soldiers do not have to fight another war. And I pray that anybody in America who doesn't want to give foreign aid to any country is not smeared and harassed and bullied for the thought of trying to use our taxpayer dollars on ourselves when our cities are getting embarrassed around the world. Thank you, guys. God bless you. And uh, check out a few of the links if you want to support. Hey, what's going on, my friends? Just a few ways to stay in touch and support if you'd like to. The first way is dreamrare.com. We have blue beanies, black beanies, pink hats, other colored hats, freedom versus tyranny shirts, stay blessed long sleeve, God is great long sleeve, and lots of more cool items coming soon. Dreamrare.com. Check out the shop to support. Everything's made in the United States. Handpicked by me. Patreon.com slash rare talk for $5 a month. You can help support me. Support the show. If you haven't noticed, unlike other channels, I don't work with very many sponsors, sometimes none at all. And part of the way I'm able to do that is with the dreamrare.com shop and patreon.com slash rare talk. So thank you guys for keeping the show free, unimpeded, uninterrupted. I'm forever grateful. My free email list is